Welcome, everybody, to episode 49 of the Point of Pittsburgh podcast. I'm Kevin Cray. And I'm Steve DiMaselli. Steve, so uh, I've, I've liked this tact that we've, this track that we've been on the past few weeks about um, what, what did you eat that was great this past week. You're coming in hot, and I know you're going to talk about a different, more pleasant experience, but yeah. you're, you're coming in hot. We actually had a delay recording this podcast because you were so late from a, a dinner service tonight. Yeah. Uh, so feel free to have the floor on this one. So here's the thing. This is this is straight venting. Um, I'm not going to say this is a we're going to say it's a local chain of restaurants is where I visited. <laughs> and my wife and I ordered a gobble Rito. So I'm not going to say which <laughs> restaurant. I'm not going to say which restaurant we were at. But my God, the service was just, I, I, I was there for three and a half hours at a restaurant that serves a gobble Rito. Not going to name the name again, but I was there three and a half hours. It took us a half hour to get the check. Like we, I was with a group of five. We were like, should we have her split this? And, and it's like, we're going to be here until closing time if we do that. Like, just Venmo me. Here, I'm going to throw my yeah. card at her. I'm going to throw it at her from across the restaurant. You guys just Venmo us. Like, <laughs> oh, man. So I'm glad we ended up making it work. I would have felt really embarrassed because we had a hard time uh, scheduling for last week. Um, just, you know, things came up for both of us on on different days um you know and we it, we just never quite got to it you know which is fine you know we're not on a production schedule people like you don't you don't control us you know so or do, you have you a, do. do you have a positive uh experience that you want to share this week oh do i have a positive experience um so we went to have you ever heard of anthony's italiano in um, uh, in, 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 uh, oh, why I'm totally blanking on the name of the town. It's, um, it, it's, it's in the Mon Valley. Um, it's Denora. It's, it's Anthony's Italiano in Denora. Have you ever heard no, of it? I have not. It, no. It's in, it, they, so, so the, the, it's, it's a, it's a normal pizza shop in general, but they do this special pizza that they have there that's basically called a red top, okay? And so basically mm-hmm. what a red top is, is it's a pretty deep dish pizza. You know, it's filled with cheese and then another, like a slight layer of crust on top of a layer of, a, a pretty thick, healthy layer of cheese and then a um, and then a layer of sauce on top, you know, with a healthy pile of Parmesan cheese on there. Um, it was absolutely incredible. It's, it's, I don't think I could name five pizzas in Western Pennsylvania that are better than this, you know, and I've had a lot of, of pizza in this neck of the woods. Uh, but it was, it was great. I mean, it's, it's legitimately worth a drive. You know, um, we hit up a couple of other places on our way down there. Um, you know, I, one of my old haunts and one of the, one of the breweries that I actually featured in, uh, when, when we had Teapot Bloom Brewery in West Newton, we hit that up on the way down there. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, you know, the, the Mon Valley's got its problems, but you can, you can dig and find some gems down there. And I think those are, Anthony's Italiano and, and Bloom Brew are two absolute, like, treasures in Western Pennsylvania that no right, one I'll, knows about. I'll have to remember that. I, uh, I sometimes frequent the Mon Valley, so... 
I will uh, keep that one in mind. Give yourself a like. Give yourself a little bit of time though, because it does take a while to prepare the red top itself. Mm-hmm. But sauce was excellent. I, I mean, so the owner was there. Um, you know, and I mean, he's literally the guy that was making the pizza for us. And, and I mean, he's sort of explaining the origin story and he was basically like, he was watching a, a, a show in like the eighties on the, uh, uh, just, I think it was entertainment tonight or something like that. Like one of those like classic eighties, nineties shows. Um, and he basically was on Chicago style pizza versus New York style pizza. And he was basically, I'm just going to do both of them. And he thought he thought that there was like a layer of dough on a Chicago style pizza where there actually wasn't, you know. So that's why he so, so what he said was he put a lid on it. So pretty, like I said, it, it just insane thing that you can get that's wonderful that you just can't get anywhere else besides Denora, evidently. All right. Uh, well, I, I had a a nice experience. We go about. Well, I go about once a year. My wife goes a couple other times with her female friends and uh, associates. It, it's a place called Bocadillo's. It's mm-hmm. in uh, Bright, Brighton Heights. And the lady that runs it uh, is originally from Bulgaria. She's, you know, probably about mid-30s. This is her first restaurant. And she's gotten some buzz. She's gotten Tom Hanks to... Come to the restaurant when he was in town filming uh, his last movie here, and um, it's basically like a, a tapas bar with and, and, and bar bar, um, small plates. But uh, she does a lot of things really well. Um, it's absolutely right up you and your wife's alley. Um, you kind of feel when mm-hmm. you step out of your car that you're on the set of The Wire, uh, and she sort of. Con- she sort of confirmed it. She said, yeah, it's a little bit of a trap house across the street with 14 people squatting in it. Um, but, you know, aside from all that, the inside of it is uh, like a DIY. She's put a lot of work into it. Um, and it's her space. And we're really oh, proud wow. of her. Uh, we've known her for a long time, about 12 years now. So I, I this is obviously for all of our listeners. I have actually I been there not for, you for like food. But I, I've actually been there for drinks already. A, 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 friend, a couple of friends of ours absolutely love the place, and they frequent it often. But it's great. It, it is a weird location. Um, you know, you might be getting yeah. liberal with your definition of what is Brighton Heights. Um, but that being said, it's it, it's it's a cool spot, and and I love I love just mid neighborhood stuff in Pittsburgh. We just don't have enough of it. Um, you know, so it, it mm-hmm. it's got a good vibe. I do like it quite a bit. Yep. Yeah. So, um, there was some baseball talk this week that involves the Pirates. Um, oh. Not a lot of it was good, but, uh, you know, we can talk We can talk about it. Um, so, the Pirates, on the positive side, did add a couple players to the 40-man roster. Uh, Braxton Ashcraft and Sung Shishing. Um, neither of those two are any sort of surprise. Uh, they both rank... In my personal top ten, I can't remember. I, I don't remember exactly anymore. Either. That was a long time ago. Both of them, uh, and they also rank in the newly released Baseball America top ten, which is interesting because they have a guy there that probably hmm. isn't eligible to be there uh, in Quinn Priester, 
who has pitched 50 innings. Lifetime so achievement. Not sure why he's on the list. Uh, because, <laughs> yeah, I guess one last time before he's ever in anybody's top 10 again. Uh, so I'm just going to run down these names here. Uh, number one, we don't really need to talk too much about Paul Skeens. Um, I'm just going to run the names and then we'll kind of go back and talk about it. Two, Bubba Chandler. Three, Jared Jones. Four, Anthony Solomedo. Five, Tamar Johnson. Six, the aforementioned Quinn Priester. Seven, Thomas Harrington. Eight, Nick Gonzalez. Nine, Sung Chi Cheng. Ten, Braxton Ashcraft. Um, Nick Gonzalez shouldn't be on there either, but that's not even the m- most remarkable thing to talk about on this list. Yeah, yeah. So, how do you want to how do you want to tackle this one here? Well, I think we can. I, I I think we might as well address the elephant in the room with uh, Bubba Chandler. Yeah, as as the number two. Um, I'm I'm a lot closer to that <laughs> than you are. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go that far, you know. Um, I see a lot of potential in him, uh, and and his last start of the year in Double A against two of the best hitting prospects in baseball, where he essentially shut him down, uh, did a lot to convince me of, of what he could be. But man, it's hard for me to put him. You know, for for like really what amounts to about two and a half good months of work this season, you know, I have a hard time, you know, sort of looking past the the rough start that he had to this season. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, but I I still would put him. He's still solidly in my top ten. Yeah. At this point, and and he might have the high one of the highest ceilings uh, outside of Paul Skeens. Yeah. Me. Me personally, I had him at number ten. Um, okay. I, I still have a real issue with the control. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I know he improved it down the stretch, but I, I can't rank a guy number two with that level of issues, you know? Um, no. I, I just think that that's, that's a, a lot of helium for a guy that, uh, you know, just hasn't necessarily proved it yet. Um, no. And so. it's not like they don't have other good prospects. Exactly. It's not like this is a barren system either. Right. You know, um, it, it's either it's either saying, to me, it either says, boy, we really, really don't, you know, think as highly of, of the next three guys in Jones, Solomedo, and, and Johnson, or they're saying we really, really, really like Chandler's floor. And I, I'm not really sure which it is. Right. Um, because those next three guys are good, good baseball prospects. Yeah, so. I, it's it's just a puzzle. But um, you know, it's I, I always I guess I'm getting more skeptical, cynical, and as I age, and I'm just wondering like how much of this is just to engage content, you know, and mm. discussion, and I don't right. I don't know. So it worked whatever. on us. It it did. We're suckers. So. Um. um Oh, well, I was going to say, I was going to still bring up Termar Johnson because I think oh, he's yeah. a little low there, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, sure. Five, five, five seems kind of, abs- like, I still put him solidly above the pitchers. I, I think he's going to, you know, I, I understand that his K rate ticked up a little bit this year. But, um, you know, you can't overlook the walk rate. You can't overlook the power at age that he's mm-hmm. displaying. 
Um, I don't think, long run, I don't think he's going to have any issues. I think he almost just needs to be a little bit more aggressive. He works counts too deeply. He draws, you know, I'd rather see him swing the bat than than draw walks. And, you know, sometimes he gets caught looking. Um, you know, he misses yeah. on borderline stuff. But, I, I, yeah, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I don't see any scenario how you could have him lower than four. Like, absolutely lower than four. Um, I personally have him at three. Um, yeah. I, I, I just, you know, obviously the K rate for me, you know, that's a big thing for, for me. But you cannot ignore that power at his age right. and at that position. You sure. know, it's, it's not yeah, like he's, he plays a good second base too. Like it's not like he's uh he's not a slouch at the position either. So yeah. yeah. Um yeah it's uh yeah it's it is kind of mind blowing. Yeah. Four is the absolute lowest. I couldn't put him above I could definitely not put Chandler above him. I don't even think I could see the argument for Anthony Solomedo above him. I could kind of see it for Jones because Jones is like, you know, I don't know, one more Tommy John surgery away from just starting the season in Pittsburgh, you know, but, uh, you know, it's other than that. I mean, really, I think that's the only that's the only argument that I'm going to buy yeah. ahead of, of of him. And I like Solomedo a lot, but mm-hmm. I really, really like Termar. So, uh, Pirates sent a few folks off to uh, greener pastures this week. Um, Yeri De Los Santos, the pitcher. Uh, Michelle Miliano, Mason Martin, Cal Mitchell, and Tanaj Thomas. Uh, do you have any parting words for any in that yeah. quintet? Yeah. So- now those are those are just some of the minor league free agents. Of, those are, are the ones of note that, yeah. that are gone. Those of are just the, to me those are the noteworthy ones yes, that we're yes. talking about. Yeah, um, there was a whole De Los slew Santos of I thought was Delos Santos I thought was going to have a role this coming season. I'm kind of surprised that he got uh, that, that that he got let go. Um, you know, first I mean removed from the 40 man roster and then let go while you know Thomas Thomas Hatch is still just taunting us from the 40-man roster um you know i i thought that was a strange move um mason martin will oh go ahead i was gonna say i think they just forgot thomas hatch is on the team yeah he's just he's just skating by on he's he's one of those he's just showing up to the office and just hoping nobody notices that he's there that's right you know he's still collecting a paycheck somehow like he's he's just hiding out they fired him like but he's still getting the paycheck and he's still showing up. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, I I don't get it. I don't get it in the least bit. Um, you know, Mason Martin is uh, he, he's always one of those. He's got that tantalizing power, and I think he, I thought he was almost putting it together. You know, um, this season uh, in Altoona at the beginning of the year, and he just never quite got there. I, I mean, I can't. You know, the, the Pirates can't put him on the forty-man roster. He's just not. He's too far off. Yeah. You know, so so there was no saving him. Um, Cal Mitchell's already found greener pastures. I guess everybody, you know, it, we've we've sort of gone in the opposite direction. Where now we're it felt like Pittsburgh was siphoning, you know, people like young prospects, young talent away from uh, San Diego. Now it's going in the other direction. I think Cal Mitchell. I, I'm pretty sure Cal Mitchell signed with the Padres today. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, but he was kind of a surprise. I mean, we talked coming into this season that he was a make it or break it prospect this year. 
and well, he broke it, I he guess. Broke. Yeah. So, um, I want you to talk a little bit about Mitchell Miliano though, because that was your yeah. dude. Yeah, I of of the five, that's the one that I'm going to probably monitor the most because I I feel like he could have had a role. Um, he did not have great uh, walk rate numbers, but sure had a lot of upside with his strikeout rate. And um, I'm just wondering if they're going to regret that one. But mm-hmm. we shall see. I think Yuri De Los Santos is the most likely to be regretted, but um, I, I'm, I'm honestly surprised that no one has... I, I haven't seen anyone snap him up, you know, pretty fast. But... Um, Tanaj Thomas, um, you know, I think it's pretty much it for the, uh, he was, um, was Tanaj Thomas Marte or am I getting him mixed up with no. someone else? No, he came he with was not Bren- Marte. He was, he came over with Brendan Malone oh, okay. uh, and Perguero in the Marte deal. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously Perguero still got his, uh, He's still got his chance to 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 make and or you know to make some hay for that deal, but it, sadly, Tanaj Thomas, who I thought was figuring it out last year, just took a big step backwards, um, you know, uh, this season. So um, it'll be. I, I mean, I don't think any of these guys. I mean, you know, like I said, I, I it's hard for me to see these guys like amounting to much of anything, mm-hmm. but I, I think. I wouldn't be surprised if one of the guys from this group ends up being at least serviceable at some point, but you know, got to move on and you got to keep Thomas Hatch. (laughs) I keep Thomas Hatch at all costs. All costs. All right. Well, I guess we got to talk about it. Uh, It is, it is no surprise that I am a huge uh, Johan Oviedo fan. Um, and it, the word came out this week that he's going to be under the knife, uh, for TJ, um, which rules him out, obviously evolved 2024. And we can hope that maybe he is ready opening day, 2025. Um, he's a guy that when you really look at his game log, uh, there is a lot of very eye opening starts that he put together. He was prone to some blow-up starts, but man, uh, I would I took that all year long with some of the, the starts he was putting together. His slider, which probably caused his TJ, uh, yeah, maybe a little bit, was unbelievable, especially at the beginning of the year. Um, and he was a guy that I had penciled in as a low-end number two, high-end number three. Um, this may sound crazy, but I think now is the absolute time I would still offer him a long-term deal because you could probably get him at a little bit of a discount. Yeah. No, it is sad. And and let me, just for clarification, is, is he officially under the knife? Like, is that definitely going to happen? Or is it just sounding like really grim, like it's probably going in that direction? I think it's probably more the latter, but... You know, once once all those news outlets come out with it, it's not like he's going to magically, you know, heal his his ligament. So, 
Yeah, it's, they're gonna I'd rub say some it's, happy media goodwill juice on it, and yeah. it's all of a sudden gonna get better. I'm Maybe I'm all for that see, path, the magic yeah. and getting lucky, you know. But if if the if the magic and getting lucky doesn't work out, what the hell do you do with this rotation? Because right now it's a one man show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your your mileage on Bailey Falter may vary for some of our listeners, but essentially it is. Uh, Mitch Keller kind of doing that Will Smith meme from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where he's just kind of like looking around the empty room. Um, you got to, I mean, I, I'm a very big proponent this offseason of trading. I'm, I'm, I've definitely staked out my uh, recurring uh, protective order, you know, that Jose, or, uh, Jose Quintana has against me. I would definitely go for him again. Uh, I've talked about getting Joe Musgrove back in a trade. I think there's plenty of other good trade candidates out there. Um, you know, with the Musgrove thing, this past week, the San Diego Padres owner has crossed the antique gaze from whence there was no return. And from all accounts, he was the reason why they were spending over $200 million. Uh, he really wanted to do the city proud. And there were a lot of positive things being said about him, which you don't really hear about multi-millionaire billionaire owners so especially i have a fi- california especially not california so i have a feeling that they're really going to be scaling back um their budget and i think that opportunities can be had as cal so that sounds but i would be uh calling up seeing what they could get for joe musgrove maybe have the padres eat a little bit of money um but they also gotta they gotta think about going out on the free agent market and that and that doesn't mean top tier but I don't want them to necessarily get four guys in the bargain bin. Um, mm-hmm. Although there's one guy, you know, if you, if you want to bring him up or I can bring him up. Um, there was a lot of consternation about Cal Quantrill among some of the pirate folk on Twitter. Uh, I guess we just don't want guys that were really good two years ago. That was the takeaway I yeah. got. I, uh, you're saying for the fans don't want guys that were too good two years ago? Yeah. Or yeah. you think the Pirates don't want guys no, that were good two years ago? Because I think the, the Pirates love guys that were good two years ago. Oh, that. Three years ago. That is absolutely their jam. Yeah. Yeah. So, now, it seemed like there were a lot of fans that were really down on, uh, you know, just because you have one season, you got to be taken out to the back of the woodshed and shot. And he wasn't horrendous last year either. I, I want to be very clear on that. I mean, he was still a, a, a serviceable, you know, pitcher in a in a, in a rotation. You know, so I, I mean, like, I would be fine with it. I mean, he's not going to be like super super cheap, but his acquisition cost is going to be like next to nothing at this point. Like, I mean, I think he's going to be owed like MLB trade rumors is projecting six point six million for him. Which isn't, it's not small potatoes, but it's a bargain if the guy comes back and is a two-war pitcher again. Mm-hmm. Like, you you love that for a two-war pitcher, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean, so I, I would at least kick the tires on it. But yeah, I mean, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on this bleak rotation right now? Yeah, so, I mean, I am I'm pro-Bailey Falter as a... Um, as a part of the rotation, I've I've always said that he's sort of is um, he's going to come into this season as uh, a stopgap for um, 
uh, JT Brubaker getting healthy the way that he was the stopgap until Ranger Suarez got healthy for the Phillies last year. So I, I, I'm still for that. So I, it's, I think we do have two spots that are kind of locked up. And I think this really kind of truly solidifies Falter in the rotation. I, no one's going to be excited about that, but it's just the way it is. Um, I do think that the Pirates probably need to really think about going out and getting a third starter now. I mean, we, we've both talked about them going out and getting two um, previously, but I think now you, you've got to find something. So, I, I mean, I would probably, I think I'm on Team Quantrill. I think that I would be very down for him being the first guy that they acquire. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to go into specifics about the others and the who's and the how's. Um, obviously, I'm, I am like, you know, you, you're fine with trading. I'm more, I'd rather see them spend money to avoid those like acquisition costs. So, um, because I don't want to, I don't want to jettison, you know, a ton in terms of there, there are definitely some prospects that are expendable at this point. And, and if they can go out and they can get Q back and, you know, not give up too much for him, which they probably can. Uh, he's a guy that I'd love to see them. I agree with you. I'd love to see them go get him. Um, you know, if it just costs a spare second baseman, you know, so be it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think at this point though, what, what it really comes down to is they are going to probably have to grab three. Um, because you know, they're, I mean, they're gonna, they're not gonna stay healthy either. The guys that are in there, you know, and, and I mean, hopefully they can stay healthy long enough that, you know, the, um, you know, some of the guys, some of the other guys get healthy. You know, Brew Baker's back. You know, uh, Skeens is ready to come up. Um, you know, but I, I do think I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm not really the, can, the, the, the. The, the three-headed monster of Priester, Contreras, and Ortiz, I'm not sure if I'm ready to, like, trust them with the fifth spot, especially if the fourth spot's going to Bailey Falter. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, like, I liked it when they were in competition with Falter, but I don't really know. I'm, the more I've thought about it, the less that I like that situation. Um, because I was getting comfortable with the idea of them adding two starting pitchers, and like I said, I, I think now you've got to add, you've got to add, find a third, um, you know, so waivers would be a great way to start, um, you know, I, non-tender candidates. I, I don't know who's necessarily out there for that. But again, I think this last person is without question going to be a bounce back type, um, a Vince Velasquez type, you know, a cheapo type you know yeah um but it'll be a free agent and it, it it'll be it, it'll probably piss people off that they're even considered putting him in the rotation and he'll probably he'll probably just be end up being just fine if not exceed expectations um and and fans will be clamoring for them to re-sign them next year um but yeah i mean it's it's going to be tricky it's going to be tricky the depth is already tested now, now the real question is, and we've brought him up a couple of times in passing on the show, but haven't really talked about him, is does this increase the chances of Paul Skeen starting in Pittsburgh next year? Uh, it shouldn't. Yeah, there's there's no reason for him to outright start in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I, I'm not I'm not going to lick the boots here about Super Two. I, I'm very uh, anti 
super two. Um, my my personal thought is if a guy's that good, then it's the cost of doing business. But most of these guys who who get super two, it's not going to end up costing the pirates that much money. Um, I am a big proponent though of getting that extra service here, which really means you got to start a guy at least in the minors for a couple weeks, um, just so you can garner that extra service here. Uh, it's not like Skeens doesn't have stuff he can work on. You know, that's the thing. I mean, he, right. he, he didn't come up and just start dominating, you know, I mean, he was in very, very, very limited innings, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with fine tuning him for the first month of the season, you know, and let's see what goes on from there, you know? No, I I do agree with that stance completely. Uh, I would be interested to see what he does during spring training. You know, I, I think he'll probably get maybe a little more. I don't think he'll start the year in Pittsburgh, but I do think he'll get more run in spring training. Um, I don't really see him up before. I don't see him up before the middle of May. Like, I think that'll be the absolute earliest that he's up. Mm -hmm. If they're going to send him down to the minors, let's, you know, let's actually work on some things and like, let's actually make him a better pitcher. It's not going to, I don't think it's going to be like, let's do two weeks um, to avoid, uh, you know, to, you know, to avoid, pick up the extra year of service time. Because the truth is, if he misses two weeks, he misses two starts, he could still very easily win the Rookie of the Year award, and then the Pirates will not get that extra year of service time, and they'll also not get the draft pick that's associated with him. So I think you either start him in Pittsburgh at the beginning of the year, or you really work on some stuff with him. You know, I, I think that there's no other options, but I agree with you 100%. I don't think th- this should 100% not change course on what they plan on doing with him. It yeah. needs to be the same as it was previously, unless he's come into spring training and is really just absolutely dominating. I, I could actually see the argument then, but they need they need a contingency plan that isn't named Paul Skeens heading into this season. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously, you know, let's say it's this uh, Hydra of Bailey, Falter, Contreras, Ortiz, Priester, who's kind of in the fifth spot. That is the absolute perfect scenario that you could just move on from one of those guys or put one of them in the bullpen. And, you know, that's the ideal scenario for schemes. But that still means you got to get three spots like we like you and I have right. just been talking about. So yeah, they got some work to do. That's uh, still that's still a long time to have two of like if if you're gonna end up with two of them in the rotation, that's a long time for a contending team to have two of those pitchers in. And and it could, somebody can snap out of it and all of a sudden break out. Like that's not crazy, but I don't want to I don't want a breakout to be the plan. I'd like that to be a I'd like that to be, you know, a bonus, I yeah. guess. You here, know. Here, here's a question for you. Uh, we haven't talked about this, so this is, I always love to spring these on you. What, when, what, pick a date for when the Pirates are going to sign their first legitimate starting rotation candidate. Is it going to be before the winter meetings? I think it will be the... 
towards the end of the last weekend or the, the like the last week of November like so like maybe like the 30th or the 1st of December like somewhere mm-hmm. in that neck of the woods like I think they'll I, I think they'll have something happen but I mean this has been I mean most years baseball's off season's quiet this year seems even quieter than normal I don't know if you feel that way as well yeah I mean I, I don't know if everybody's just kind of waiting for Otani to get off the market um, but it's been really slow, especially on the on the pitching side. Um, I I think I like your estimate, but I kind of see them just sort of waiting until the winter meetings, and they're going to come out of the winter meetings with two guys, and then maybe go trolling in the the bargain for bin a third. for a third. Yeah, yeah. The third person is not going to get signed until like. January, you know, yeah, it really January or I mean, even like right before, you know, pitchers and catchers, I could see mm-hmm. it being like the first week of February. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be curious. I, I can't remember when did Velasquez get signed. I don't remember that. Um, yeah. I think they they took care of business pretty early last year, though. I feel like. So he probably was earlier than I think we're thinking, but I don't know that off the top of my head. It felt like they took care of business early last year. Uh, I mean, obviously they left McCutcheon late, but I, I think that was like very late developing anyhow. Yeah. Uh, Velasquez signed on December 6th, so he must have been coming out, oh, of, the wow. winter, out of the winter meetings. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, I think that's... Uh, probably all that we need to really chat about this week guys so i want to say thank you as always for joining us uh steve any last parting words no i'm good i think i talked enough today yeah well thank you very much uh tune in next week for our very special 50th episode where we're going to really be doing absolutely nothing out of the ordinary but we're at least going to talk about it so uh, i'm kevin cray I'm Steve DiMasselli. Thanks.